0: Father, Lord, we thank you for what you have done this this week, Lord. We thank you for how that you continue to work in our lives, Lord. You continue just to give us the protection, to grow us in our walk with you, um, to, um, Lord. To pray, thank you for those who have gotten over the, the sickness that's going around, and thank you for each one who's been able to make it to the services. And Lord, we just want to take the time and thank you for what you are doing. Thank you for the increases in being able to outreach, Lord, and be able to give, Lord, and we just thank you for that we, as we begin the rest of the service, Lord, we just want to take time and thank you, Lord, that you are working in our lives, Lord, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. We have that one more song. For um, stepping in and helping fulfill roles, Second Timothy chapter 2 is where we're going to be tonight, Second Timothy chapter 2. It's good to see everyone out tonight, even in the cold temperatures, this winter has been very cold, very cold. Long, but glad to see each one here tonight. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse number 1. Verse number 1, we're going to read the first seven verses there. Second Timothy chapter 2, the Bible says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that worth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strives lawfully. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for today, we thank you for tonight, we thank you for each one who is here, Lord. I just pray that as this passage has been an encouragement to me and a challenge, I pray that it you would help me to communicate truth from your word that Lord, that you would guard my lips, that I would um, in, be able to encourage people to serve you more, that you would speak to hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If we are not careful at times, our vision of the Christian soldier, okay, Paul, as he's writing. In um, most of the New Testament, he uses many illustrations to illustrate the Christian life, to illustrate living for God. Now, Paul spent several years, there was at least two times that, we're, that we know of, that he would have been a prisoner of Rome. And some of that time, he would have been chained to a Roman guard, or there would have always been a Roman guard there with him in the room, or when he was, had his own house, there was Roman guards there present to make sure he didn't escape. He was a prisoner. There was, and as a prisoner of Rome, there was Roman soldiers there guarding him. So it's no wonder that as Paul was sitting there looking at the Roman soldier, that some of what he saw, God used that, to put illustrations in to Paul's writing, and he was able to take that, take some of what he saw, and the armor of God, Paul probably could have visualized. Now, obviously, God was the one who wrote the Scripture. We know that God, through Paul, wrote the Bible. But God used men. And Paul, he saw these soldiers. Paul would have been around soldiers. At the time of writing 2 Timothy, Paul was in a dungeon, Paul was around soldiers, and he often used, as an illustration of living for God, of serving God, the illustration of a soldier. Someone who's under the command, under the authority of someone else. A soldier is someone who is serving his country, or serving his commander, right? There's someone who gives orders, and that soldier is to fulfill those orders, He has weapons. He has a uniform. There's a battle that he is facing. And Paul saw that through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He would give this illustration of one that we've heard often. Of a Christian fighting spiritual warfare. Of there being battles that you're facing. Of being a good soldier of Jesus Christ. But if we're not careful our vision of the Christian soldier sometimes can become that of someone under siege. Okay? Under siege. Okay. We've explained it recently. We've been going through in the Sunday school time the how, and the stories in the Old Testament. How the armies would come and they would besiege a city and they would surround them. And they would cut off all supplies. And sometimes we can visualize that of a Christian soldier... Spiritually, I'm using um, metaphors and illustrations here. If you'll humor me, if you'll think Paul uses illustrations here. And at times we can think of ourselves in this world, surrounded by the world, and we're hunkered down, cut off from supplies, hopelessly outnumbered, hoping to hope that we will be rescued in time. How I mean, if you live, especially in New York City, where it feels like we are... There's many more people who do not go to church, who do not believe in who God is, than there are people who come to church. And at times, you look at it, if if you've ever felt that way, you can nod your head up and down, that we're outnumbered, that being a Christian, sometimes it's like, I'm here all by myself, I'm all alone. I'm going to use a negative illustration. This is a negative illustration, so I'm letting you know this from ahead. I read um, history. I love military history. I love American history. But some of the people will be from in this room will be familiar with World War II. I mentioned that there's many um, people who have at least um, read, have read things who are familiar with the stories of World War II. And during World War II at the outset of World War II and the war in the Pacific, Japan first attacked Pearl Harbor and then they were advancing very rapidly through the Pacific. The Americans, at that time, held the Philippine Islands and had a small number of troops on the Philippine Islands. Mostly, they were undertrained, ill-equipped National Guard units who had been sent there as peacekeeping troops. And now, they, they had outdated equipment, insufficient supplies... And now they were facing the entire onslaught of Japan by themselves. No supplies came through. They were cut off. And as finally, as against these overwhelming odds, the American forces there, with, if you've heard of the Bataan Death March, any of that, if you've studied, Americans were forced to surrender in one of the darkest hours of American history. Eventually, in a few le- few years later the americans returned liberated the islands but for some of the prisoners it was too late they they didn't make it till the time when the rescue came on the island on there waiting for supplies that never came finally they gave up hope and they surrendered but that is that idea is here these soldiers were they were Cut off from supplies. They were outnumbered, okay? They were outmanned. They they couldn't get new supplies. They couldn't get... I'm trying to pick pick, um, the hopeless situation there, okay? I'm trying to put it in your mind to think about that a little bit. The hopelessness of that time was felt by all. Those who couldn't get the help and those who couldn't help. There were those watching who wanted to send help and they couldn't. There were those there hoping for help to come, and it wasn't coming. But like I said, this is a negative illustration. That in you, that's a hopeless situation. But and that is a excuse me that's a hopeless situation, and that is the situation that soldiers found themselves in who were called upon to do their duty. But Paul here is writing. To Timothy. He is writing to his son in the ministry. He is using the illustration of a soldier. But he is not painting a hopeless picture of a soldier who is cut off from supplies. Who is by himself standing against the onslaught of the world. And saying, Timothy, be strong. Timothy, be strong. I know the situation is hopeless, but just be strong, Timothy. That's not what Paul is talking about here. As Christians, we can never be cut off from the one who truly is our supplier in God. God is the one, because we're talking spiritually here. If you've ever read Romans chapter 8, which I'm sure many of you had, how Paul goes through, the same person who wrote this book, goes through and says, how nothing, even death, can separate us from the love of God. How that, and Paul, Paul has, Spent time with Timothy. He says, his dearly beloved son, he has trained him. And he is calling him and using the illustration of a soldier here saying, These are my last instructions. I am writing to you. I am about to pass off the scene. And in verse 13 of chapter 1, he says, Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Jesus Christ. Paul's writing to Timothy, and he's telling him, I'm not going to be here anymore. I know, Timothy, that you aren't confident in your great personality, Timothy. Many believe that Timothy was a timid preacher, that he was fearful. In the um, in great verse number four, it says, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. And Verse, um, I'm sorry, I lost my place here. Verse number 7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Timothy is in the city of Ephesus. He's a preacher. He's the pastor of a church that Paul had started many years ago. Many of you are familiar with this. You've you've read your Bible. You've studied. And here is Timothy. Paul, who had trained him, is in prison under the persecution of the Romans. He is eventually going to be executed in just a few short months. And Timothy is going to lose his mentor. He's going to lose the one who trained him. He's And the Bible says that he was... Um, he's, t- Paul was writing saying, I'm mindful of your tears. He was saddened by this, naturally. There was a little bit of fear. He was Here he was in a great city with more persecution coming up. There was people who had already begun to reject the... T- who had once professed to be Christians who were now trying to teach other things. There was the Judaizers who were coming against the church and trying to um, corrupt the teaching that was in the church. There was already people who had written letters saying that Paul had written it, saying all kinds of heretical things that Paul had never written. And Timothy was going to need to lead this church, was going to need to stand and be counted for God. He was going to need to be a good soldier, we might say. But Paul, and Paul, as he begins to write, saying, I know what's going on, Timothy. I know you're scared, but you need to keep going forward. In fact, thou therefore, my son, be strong. Now, you might expect Paul to say something. Timothy, you need to be strong. Okay, well, what does be strong mean? Oftentimes we think of strong, we think of, you know, someone who works out a lot or has great physical strength. Who can move big things with their bare hands. Someone who, if you run into them, it feels like they're running, you're running into a brick wall. Okay, that's not what Paul's talking about here. Nor, nor is Paul saying, Timothy, you just need to be a man. You just need to, Timothy, I know, I know everything's bad, but you just need to be strong and stand there. It doesn't matter that it seems you're all alone. Just be strong and stand there. Well, Paul's telling him to be strong. Paul is telling Timothy is that you are expected to be strong. You're expected to be steadfast, unmoving, not just simply... One step. Come on, Timothy. Timothy's talking to himself. Come on, Timothy. You can make, you can go one more day. That's not what Paul, he's saying, Timothy, you need to be strong. You, you need to, you need to thrive where you are. But he's not telling Timothy, grit your teeth. Do some spiritual workouts here, Timothy. He says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong. How? In the grace that is in Christ Jesus right? Timothy, you need to be strong. If you're going to be a good soldier, you need to be strong. You need, but your strength doesn't come from yourself. Your strength comes from the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Timothy, And these trying times, Timothy, in these trials, the strength that you need to stand as a good soldier, you are only going to find in the grace of God. Paul knew something about grace, didn't he? We've read his words in Corinthians where he said about the thorn in the flesh. And how God spoke to him and said, My grace is sufficient for thee. My, my, my strength is made perfect in weakness. And Paul knew, Paul knew in his own life. He had experienced the grace of God that had, had sustained him no matter what was going on. And that was the same grace that Timothy needed to stand and to accomplish what God had called him to accomplish. Timothy's strength was to come from standing in humility and grace to God. It wasn't Timothy going, "All right, Paul, I'm going to be strong. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to be strong. No. Doesn't the Bible say that God will give grace to the humble? It isn't in the pride of someone self saying, I'm going to be strong. That may, other people may... Stop going to church. Other people may fall into sin, but that will never happen to me. I'm strong. That's not what Paul's talking about here. Paul's telling Timothy, be strong, be firm, be resolute in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Um, We can go um, to the book of Jeremiah. It says, glory not in that glory in knowing God. Glory in that you know God. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying. Get your strength, get what your sufficiency from Jesus Christ. The grace of God is the castle that enables, enables us to withstand the onslaught of this world. As the, the, the pressures of this world, as the spiritual battles that are going on, the only thing that will sustain us, what will protect us, what will keep us out of, of the wash that is in the world. The rock that we can stand on is the grace of God. The same grace that saved us is the same grace that will sustain us. And Paul's writing to Timothy and he's saying, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Now, Timothy's duty as a pastor, part of his job was to take what he had been taught and to teach it to other people so that they could teach it to other people. So that today, in 2018, there are churches all across the world that believe exactly the same thing, that have exactly the same Bible, that are preaching the exact same things because Timothy and other men of God passed down the exact same thing generation to generation. Timothy was doing exactly what he was supposed to do. But, as I was studying, I was reading across this in my devotions, and I, something came to my mind that I noticed that I hadn't noticed before. Paul's telling Timothy, he's just, he, Timothy's to be a good soldier for Jesus Christ. He's to be strong in the grace in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me, Paul's talking to Timothy. What I have taught you, the same commit thou to to faithful men who shall be able to teach, not anything new, the same thing to others also. What are you getting at there, Brother Andrew? Timothy was taught by Paul and others, faithful witnesses, had reinforced the same teaching. Now, as an apostle, Paul had been trained by Christ we know that in the, in the years in, in Damascus, he had gone out into the desert of Arabia for three years and had been trained by Christ as the other apostles had been prior. And Christ had trained Paul. Paul had taken that same training, that same teaching, and he had passed it down to Timothy. And here's what he said. The things that you already know is what you need To pass down. Nothing needed to be added or changed to what Timothy had been taught. What Paul is also saying here is not only this is your responsibility, Timothy, to teach others. Timothy, you have everything you need. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and don't worry about getting something new. You already have all the teachings. What you have already is the same thing that needs to be passed down to the next generation. What you've already been taught, what's already been confirmed by other apostles, by other people as they heard me teaching you, you've been around them. That is exactly what you need no matter if the times are changing or not. The changing times did not change Timothy's orders. You can look at what's going on today and our Bible is more current today than today's newspaper. Isn't that true? We can look at the Bible and we can see the prophecies of God coming to pass under our very eyes. We can see that God's... Um, What God has said about morality, what God has said about living for Him, applies just as much today as it did back when it was written. And Paul is telling Timothy here, you need to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And just stick with what you've already been taught. You don't need to change. Your supplies are there. You you cannot be cut off from supplies because you already have it. Is everybody following what I'm saying here? Timothy had access to everything he needed. Nothing needed to be changed. And what Timothy had been taught was sufficient for the next generation. Even though Roman persecution was coming. Even though we get here to 2018 where we wear different clothes than they did back then. Thankfully, I would hate to wear a robe like they did back then. But, the clothing has changed. The trials may have different names. But the service to God can still only be done through the grace of God. The answers that were given to Timothy back then still apply to us today. Are still the exact same answers that we need. And Paul's telling Timothy, If you're going to be a good soldier, rely on God's strength. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Don't worry about new things. Stick with what you with what you've been taught. And he gives them another command. Thou therefore, in verse number three, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Paul commands Timothy to patiently endure the suffering he was experiencing. He says, Timothy, now he tells him because you're because you've been. Because you can be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and because you have everything you need, because you already have all the doctrine, you have all the Bible that you need, it's time to man up. Now, this is when he isn't telling him, you'll be strong by being man. He says, no, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You know a soldier who quits in the battle? What do we call that person? A deserter, right? Right? Someone who leaves the battle when they, are not, when they are under orders to stay and fight and they say, I've had enough of this. I'm out of here. We call them a deserter. But you know that a soldier can be present and still quit? They can be there in body, but they want to have nothing to do. We call it combat fatigue. Where... They've just re- that, that group of soldiers has just reached the point where they're unable to fight anymore. And Paul's telling Timothy, Hey, there's trials coming, but you are to endure hardness. You're not to be moved by the trials. The constant battering of the world wants to wear us down. But no one said living for God was easy. No one said that standing for the things of God in this world was easy. But Timothy was to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. A good soldier does his duty, right? Simply what has been commanded of him. A good soldier doesn't lose heart. And Paul is writing to Timothy. He's he's trying to encourage him. He's trying to challenge him. He's going over, as Paul's leaving, this was the last that Timothy would probably ever hear from Paul. And he's telling him he isn't painting the hopeless picture that I painted in the beginning in the introduction where, Timothy, I know it's going to be rough and I know it's going to feel like you're all alone. He's saying, Timothy, you already have what you need. The strength that you need to live is found in Jesus Christ. So just stay steadfast. Be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You know, you're not supposed... you're not supposed to just be there and stay. And you're supposed to you're supposed to be faithful to the things of God. You're supposed to thrive. You're to su- be strong. It isn't this idea of someone we're barely holding on in every. It's the idea of standing there, standing strong, standing firm on what he believes. That's supposed to be Timothy. He's there. He is thriving in the trials that are going on. God expects that of every Christian. God didn't put us on this world leave us here to stand there and just barely cling and pull ourselves on. We're supposed to be soldiers of Christ, living in His strength, fulfilling His duty, accomplishing His work in His church. And Paul, in the next three verses, he gives them three illustrations or three keys to being that good soldier of Jesus Christ. In verse number 4, 5, and 6. First he says, If you're going to be that good soldier of Jesus Christ, Timothy. Verse number 4. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. That he, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Alright? Entangleth. That's a pretty self explanatory word, but has this idea. Interweave. Something it binds up the person who is entangled. You've ever seen um, insects caught in a spider's web where they are caught up in it and they can't get out and they are wound up in it and they are entangled. Right? You've or you have um, Various different things. There are times where an extension cord. Over at Union we have used many extension cords. And a hundred foot extension cords with tools. Love to become entangled with whatever you're working on. And as you step in them and it wraps around your foot. And you're trying to pull it this way. And this is attached to it. And this is attached to it. It can get very frustrating to try to untangle yourself. From that situation. But. Paul isn't talking about literally rope coming around you. Here's what he's telling Timothy Timothy, this is true of soldiers. A good soldier's first aim is to please his commander. He says, No man that warth entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Timothy, a soldier's first calling is to his commander, not to what he wants to do. At that time, soldiers in the Roman Empire oftentimes weren't even allowed to get married because they wanted that soldier completely dedicated, completely focused on one thing, fulfilling his officer's commands. The Bible, Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount, you cannot serve two masters. If the devil can get you tangled up doing things that are important to your goals, but not the goals of Jesus, he has taken another soldier out of the battle. If he can get you tangled up doing things that may be important, but are not important to the things of God, he has taken another soldier out of the battle. Every activity we engage in must be checked with our commander, must be checked with the Lord. We have desires, yes. There's things that we need to do, but we should be delighting ourselves in the Lord and seeking what He desires. Paul's saying, listen, Timothy, if you're going to be that good soldier, you can't get distracted. You can't allow the things of this world to begin to take your attention. And pull it aside to where they, because your focus must be on pleasing God. You must put God as the top priority in your life. What are some things that can entangle Christian soldiers? Christians. How about materialism? Getting things. I want those things. You know? Many Christians, many people in America, in our country today, debt keeps them from being able to do things that they need to be able to do. Paul's saying, listen, don't allow the things of this world to come in and hold you back from serving God. You know, secret sins like bitterness and envy, discouragement or lust can begin to creep into your life, wrap over you. And begin to pull the cords of sin around you. And suddenly, you find yourself entangled. A soldier who has been pulled out of the battle. And Paul is writing to Timothy here and he's telling him, Timothy... A good soldier, he stands in the strength you have. As, you have everything you need. You have the strength that you need. You just need to endure hardness. But if you're going to be that good soldier, if you're going to please Jesus Christ, your first aim has to be serve. Christ. Your top priority needs to be Jesus Christ. Your, your, your time with God, your personal time with God, reading your Bible and praying needs to be the top priority in your life. The things of church should take priority over um, whatever sports game is on. I, I love sports, but that shouldn't be the top priority. My mind shouldn't be on whatever the score of the game is when I'm to be in church. My mind shouldn't be on, boy, I'd sure like to go play basketball right now when I'm supposed to be um, writing the children's church lessons or whatever I'm supposed to be. If I'm not careful, I can allow simple things that, is playing basketball bad? Well, playing basketball in sub-degree windchill might be a bad idea. You get frostbite and, you know, lose some fingers, whatever. But um, doing the things that may not be bad, but putting those as a priority Suddenly, we're not seeking to please the one who has chosen us to be his soldier. He says, Timothy, you've got to seek to please God first. Then he uses the illustration of an athlete. He says, uh, verse number five, if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. How many illustrations, real life stories, can we think of in the sports world of people who did not strive lawfully? How many of the story of Lance Armstrong? That was all over the news a few, um, I think a couple years ago. One of the most premier bikers won however many races and it was revealed that he had been taking performance enhancing drugs. And every prize he had won was taken away from him. He did not strive lawfully. We could come to New York City, a mecca of the sports world. You have many teams, including the New York Yankees, yet, Alex Rodriguez. If you've studied sports at all, you know that he played third base for the Yankees for a while. He hit a whole bunch of home runs, but he was taking steroids. He was taking performance-enhancing drugs. Andy Pettit, who was a great pitcher for the Yankees for a number of years. I'm using these illustrations because I know I've heard the stories as I've listened to Yankees baseball growing up. He also took performance-enhancing drugs. He didn't strive lawfully. And now forever their name, when you look it up in the sports records, their name is tainted. Oftentimes there's an asterisk beside their name saying, This person took performance enhancing drugs. Everything they did, really, it's not a real achievement. Timothy, Paul's saying, if you're going to be that good soldier of Jesus Christ, if you're going to strive, if you're going to labor to serve God, if you're going to labor for that crown at the end of your life, you can't take shortcuts. You can't seek to go and say, you know what, I really, I've really, i become such a good Christian, I really don't have to do that anymore. I really, you know what, I know visitation is important, but it just doesn't fit in my schedule. I know reading my Bible is essential to living the Christian life, but you know I think I'm a little bit past that right now. I don't need to do that. There's a, this Christian super pill that I'm taking. There's these other books that I'm reading that are going to, you know, really lift me on, up and beyond. In my walk of God. Walk with God. There is no such thing as Christian steroids. Anything that is built on the philosophies of man and say, This will help you become a much better Christian. It may produce results. But they'll be tainted. And there will be no prize with that. Paul's telling Timothy, listen, Timothy, you can't take shortcuts. Results apart from God's plan are failures, burdens, and produce no lasting rewards. How many um, people are out there today saying, you know what, there's something bigger than the church. We can do our own thing. We have this great big collaboration and everybody's getting together and look at all the wonderful results. Everybody's coming. There's nothing bigger than the local church. Paul would have said, listen, you have to strive lawfully. You have to do it God's way if you're going to be a good soldier that pleases the one who hath chosen him to be a soldier. You can't take shortcuts, Timothy. Then he says, the husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Husbandman. Who's that? It speaks of someone who keeps a vineyard or a farmer. Someone who works the field. It talks of the husband that laboreth, that has the idea of intense toil. I've never worked and kept a garden. I've never been able to plant a crop. And work in it all summer. And finally, at the harvest time, see it come up. I've talked to those who have. My dad had a, a, a about a two-acre garden when he was growing up. And so he, he grew corn. They grew their own vegetables. Not enough to live on, but they, they grew a lot of vegetables. And their corn and tomatoes and other um, uh, things that they would um, can and keep over the winter. They would raise that, but there would be a time from the planting to the harvest that had to be worked. This garden, they had to plant the garden. And then they had to water it. They had to weed it out. They had to protect it. They had to keep the um, predators out of the garden that would like to come in. Oh, there's lots of animals who like to get those tomatoes, who like to get into the, the, um, the produce there and say, boy, you're growing this just for me. And so the farmer has to keep those, keep um, the pred- uh, predators or you know, the animals and insects out of the garden. And he has to make sure that the, the lighting is right and if there isn't enough rain coming, he has to irrigate it. And if, We're talking about labor. And this isn't talking about a husbandman isn't someone... Who was growing a few vegetables because he he liked the idea of growing a few vegetables. This is talking. This was his livelihood. If he did, if the crop wasn't produced, he wouldn't eat that winter. If the crop wasn't produced, his family wouldn't eat. Everything was dependent upon this harvest and the toil that went into it and the labor that was there. But Paul is telling Timothy. The husbandman that laboreth. Each one of these keys, each one of these illustrations, talk about someone who is warring, talk about someone who is striving, talk about someone who is laboring. To live the Christian life, it isn't just, well, this happens just naturally. It's it's labor, it's toil. But the point here isn't, of this verse, isn't on the labor as much, though it's there says, the husband that laboreth, that is the job of the husbandman, that is the job of the Christian is to work and strive and live for God and give everything he has to God. But someone who does that must be first partaker of the fruits. The man who is out there working in the field, when that first fruits come ripe. He, he's the one who gets to enjoy Those first fruits that come out of the field. I'm not sure. Maybe growing up you had this rule in your house. And our rule, as mother is preparing the food. Of course, I do do a lot of my own cooking now. So I, I can do whatever I want. But when whoever is cooking the food, there is a rule. You cannot come up and pick. How many know what I mean by pick? You come in they're there they're chopping up the food or they're they're slicing the meat and sure enough, there is some of the little kids and they're just waiting and you see their eyes and as soon as you turn away they're grabbing the little pieces that are you know they they know they're not going to be starved they know that there's going to be plenty of food on the table here in a few short minutes but they're there and they're waiting for that first slice of meat can i have some can i have some can i have some But who is the person who gets to first taste the food? The chef, right? The person who has been working and laboring, creating that masterpiece or whatever it is. They're there and they're stirring it as they're stirring it. Now, when I'm cooking for myself, it doesn't matter. I'm stirring it. Does this taste good? And I take it and I lick the spatula and then I stick it back in and stir it because I'm eating it. It doesn't matter. But, I won't do that in any anything I cook for the international dinner, I promise. But, um, who gets to enjoy as it comes to the end, as it is finished, who gets to enjoy it? First, it's the person who's been putting all the labor in. And also, there's the rule of no picking, but there's also the rule that the person who is helping in the kitchen, the person who's been working, okay, they're not going to get their finger chopped off if they take a little bit of it. Why? Because they've been working. They've been laboring and preparing the meal. Those who've just been watching, you have to wait. But those who've been working and laboring, go ahead. You've earned it. Enjoy some of the rewards of your labor. Lick that spatula and stick it back in there and serve the rest of the food. What Paul is telling Timothy is, If you labor, if you do exactly what, if you stay on course, you labor, you serve God, there's going to be a time when the rewards come in. The harvest is coming. And if you stay faithful, you're going to get to enjoy it. In fact, you're going to be the first in line to get to enjoy it because you've been there. You've been laboring. Here's what Paul's telling Timothy. You must remember the rewards come in the future. The rewards are coming. Stay faithful. The the, the end of the battle is coming, soldier. Remember what you're fighting for. The fruits of the victory are at the end of the battle, Timothy. Stay faithful. Stay the course. How many people get discouraged? A lack of patience? Going back to this morning's message. With living for God. When will God provide me with what I need? A job or whatever it is I need to serve God? If there's to be any harvest, the toil and the labor must be put in. You ever tried to eat raw pasta? The labor must be put in. The work must be put in. In fact, the grain must be grown. It must be harvested. It must be ground. The pasta must be made. Then the pasta must be cooked before you can enjoy the pasta, right? There's the process to the reward. But if you stay faithful, the reward is coming. Days and weeks and months of plowing and watering and weeding will come... With rewards. The months and years of Bible reading and prayer and regular church attendance and holy living will come with their reward. You can choose to take it easy now and say, you know what? It's too hard. And you take it easy, I just need a break. And you're taking, say, I want my reward right now. I'm not willing to wait, and there'll be no reward for you in the future. The person who sits around when the planting season comes and says, I've worked hard last year. I'm just going to take it easy this year. They may get to take it easy when everyone else is working. But who's going to be begging come harvest time? Those who work and labor. And they see those sitting around. They see other people seemingly saying, You know what? It's not that big of a deal. You don't have to put all that effort in. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Paul's writing to Timothy saying, be a good soldier. You can be a good soldier. You can be a faithful, thriving soldier no matter the trials. When you wholeheartedly toil wholeheartedly, put your whole heart in it, work towards the end prize for your master. You serve God saying, you're my master, you're my commander, I'm a soldier, what are your orders? I can't afford to let other things in my life that are going to pull me away from serving my master. I can't take shortcuts. I have to do it His way. There's a reason God has said it. This, said it there's a reason I have to do it this way and I can continue doing that because I know there's a reward coming. I know that one day I will be able to enjoy the benefits of serving God. Timothy, stand strong in the grace that is in God. You have everything you need. You've already been taught everything. That same stuff that you've been taught is everything you need to pass down and pass down and pass down. It's everything you need. Now, just simply stay the course. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Don't get distracted. Don't take shortcuts. And remember, there's a reward for those that labor. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come before You this evening, we thank You for Your Word. I pray that You would work in each one of our hearts, Lord. Encourage us to continue laboring. To continue being faithful to continue serving You. Lord, if any of us have gotten off track, have begun to allow things to slip, I pray that we would once again stand in Your grace, Lord. That we would take what You have given us and stay faithful. In Jesus' name I pray. We'll just take a moment before we close the prayer. If you want to pray there in your seat or come forward, take a moment before we start the prayer time.